back to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, and we're looking at today the individuality or the individual giftedness of, of Christians. When I think of certain terms and phrases, I think of, you know, individual, individual, and there's a lot of misconceptions with individual, especially, you know, we, we talk a lot, especially, you know, in, in America, we're, we're, we're free, right? We have freedom to individually pursue our individual desires. And so we, we like individualism, and that's something that is, is, is good. The problem is, is there's misconceptions with individualism. Uh, we often think it's just because of me, only because of I, right? I'm the only reason. And so when we take things like a concept like pride, um, is pride a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you should take pride in the way you do work, right? That we, in fact, what used to be uh, that there was that, that old Puritan work ethic it was like well known, like you know, the, the Puritans are are going to do a great job. Um, they're going to build a good box. They're going to build a good bookshelf. They're going to you know come in and do great work, excellent work. Why? Because they're doing it for the glory of God, and they have that Puritan work ethic: work hard, work long. Um, these are all what they drew out of biblical concepts, which is why they did that. Um, but their pride in the work was to then give glory back to God. Well, bad pride is when you take that deep pleasure and deep satisfaction from what you've created or made or did and then turn it back to yourself so that your 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 self glorification, your self praising, your your ego then becomes elevated, right? And you really only look at uh, the, the me aspect of it. I remember uh, playing, you know, college baseball. And we came across this team once and you'll see this, especially during the fall, you have practice games and instead of wearing your normal jerseys, maybe you wear, you know, just the team shirt. And this one team had their shirts and, and on the back, it said, you know, we, not me. And immediately the guy from North Carolina next to me with his big old thick accent, kind of chuckle and said, no way, man, me, not we. And uh, even to this day, every birthday, I'll get a thing on Facebook and he'll say, me, not we, you know. The sad thing is, is he meant it. The sad thing is, especially at, at that time place, it's like, well, there, you know, I do think more of myself, of me, than, than the we. Um, and... You see this in sports, you know, you'll see the, the quarterback is praised, right? And it's like, well, the quarterback can't do anything if the linemen don't block. Um, okay, now the linemen are blocking and they're doing a great job. And so the quarterback can throw and make a pass. And then the wide receiver drops the ball. And, and so you realize, especially in team sports like football, that, well, one guy gets a lot of glory but it's a team concept. I was listening to an interview last night and the, the question out of the gate was, you know, talking about the quarterback, talking about the offense and the coach immediately said, no, I want to talk about our defense. Again, he had more of a, of a team concept. 
We see owners, we see a battle right now, right, between owners and employees. It's us against them, right? The owners, they maybe they created something, a business or a product. Um, they innovated. They were entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs. They invested their money. They invested their time. They took the risk. And so they went out there first. And, and now you're, you know, in year 20 of your business and you've got, you know, 100 employees and, um, you know, the owner doesn't forget all those original hard days. The employees are looking around going, you couldn't do any of this without us. We're the workforce. Well, who's right and wrong? Well, they're, they're both right. Uh, yes, as an owner, the, the, the wealth created by having one employee versus 10 employees versus 100 versus 1,000. But the business wouldn't be there without the owner. And so they need to come to an understanding that it's, it's we, not me, right? Um, you see this in the battle, right? Male, female. And this is part of our, our culture and society today that in highlighting certain problems, whether it's with, you know, like gender or race, um, what they're really doing is creating a tension and, and, a, and a battle between the two sides. And so instead of respecting and appreciating what the other side brings to the table, then it has to be this line that says, well, my side is best. My side is better. Only my side matters. That's kind of where it ends up being. It's like, again, neither one of those are right. Um, you know, the, the, we, we want to have roles within the, the, the male-female uh, differences and, and then individual differences again. There's no lone rangers. There's no lone rangers in anything in life. Y you may think so, but there's, you know, very few, you know, grizzly atoms out there that are just go and hit the, hit the road and live on the wilderness all by themselves. Everybody else, we're, we're all connected together. And, and the Bible really points this out. And, th and this is why, again, we, we hear these terms of individual or, or unity and they're clouded because of the way we, we think about them in, the, in our real world, the way we think about them in our marriage and our sports team, at work, at play, whatever. And so today we wanna look at, well, how do we apply uh, the, the application of, of being individually gifted, right? We, we, we're individually gifted, but we have to apply this for the unity of the body of Christ. So we see four things today. One is uh, they're given to each individual. Uh, there's gifts for each individual. There's a goal for each individual. And then there's growth for each individual. And so last week we looked at the application uh, of unity in, in the body of Christ. And we saw kind of three different ways. One is uh, we need to consistently walk in a manner worthy of the calling, right? We need to live it. So we don't just come here, hear a rah-rah rally and, and walk out the door and then don't do it. No, we, we, we need to apply this. Uh, the second thing we learned last week is we need to display uh, the characteristics um, you know, we, we, we should see the fruit, right? We should be able to see it. It's not, well, my faith is like deeply hidden. It's just me and the Lord deep in my heart somewhere. No, we're called to, di to display characteristics. And then we're, we need to be reminded and our songs remind us of the cause 
The cause of our grace was not us. The cause of our grace was, was not us being so awesome, so sweet, so pretty, uh, so obedient that God looking down upon us goes, that person deserves my grace. That, oh, you've been so amazing. Here, let me flood you and shower you with mercy. No, because your sins were many. Here's my free gift. Here's my, my mercy. And so we need to remember, uh, we need to honor, honor the cause of our grace. So today we want to look at uh, the application of, of this individually gifted uh, Christianity that we have. And so verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7, first it's given to each individual cr Christian. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Remember, we just came from verse 4, 5, and 6 where it says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But, but to each one of us, grace was given. So in this unity of the one body, the one hope, the one calling, the one Lord, the one faith, we're called to be reminded of this. Well, to each of us, you, you were given grace. Again, grace is not something that you earn. We can't stress this enough. We, we do not earn grace. It's, it, it's the idea of it's offered versus being asked. Grace is offered. We, we, we don't ask. And so in that sense, it's, it's the difference between being surprised versus an expectation. We, we would have no expectation of grace. It, it's surprising that it happens. Uh, that's why gifts, surprise gifts are, are so fun. On Christmas, you expect a gift. On your birthday, you expect a gift. It's funny how three days after your birthday, you don't expect anything and somebody comes along and surprises you with, a birthday gift and now you're surprised just three days later right and it it changes just a little bit that this grace that's given it, it it's a surprise and everybody in the body of Christ has been given this so so we're all on on an equal plane there's not just one of us back there it's like you guys you got lucky you got God's grace. You guys, you're pretty fortunate you got his mercy. Me, on the other hand, I'm set apart over here. It's like, no, we're all in the same place to each one of us. Each one of us. The starting point is the giving of grace. It's where we all start. It's the same place. Well, how so? According to the measure. According to the measure. What a, what a cool picture this is. I love this picture. According to the measure. Now, immediately, I have to think about cooking. Right? And I just picture my, my wife, you know, sitting there, do, 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 you know, cooking and measure this, cup of that, a dash of this, a teaspoon of that. And, you know, you put all this stuff together and, and, and magic comes out. Now, you give me the same ingredients. Um, it's going to be a different deal. 
But the idea here is, look, okay, so we're all given grace. We're all given according to the measurements, the, the, the amount that's needed, the amount that's acceptable, right? It's the idea of this, this is the proper, this is the proper amount. So is there a difference when you go and you say, well, I've got this big old jar full, you know, it's got two pounds on it and here's another jar, it's two pounds and this one's white and that one's white and um, well, this one's sugar and this one's salt. Same thing, right? Uh, very, very different. Very different. The proper amount, the right measure that's assigned to what's being cooked is going to change everything. And who hasn't crossed that over if you've spent any time cooking at all? Who hasn't put more than what was necessary? What happens when that happens? The meal is ruined. It's in it. You realize that real quick. It's, oh, whoa, what happened there? I guess that should have been sugar and not salt. And so this, this right amount of measurement is according to, to God's recipe. It reminds me again of, of Romans 9. It says, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? He is the chef. He's the potter. We're the clay. So he's the chef. He's the one that's putting this together according to exactly his recipe of what is needed for you. You're his creation. You're a, a, a meal. You're, you're, you know, maybe, maybe some of you are, you know, you're, you're, you're the bread. And it's like, well, I don't want to be the bread. I want to be the steak, you know, and somebody else, I don't want to be the steak or the bread. You know, I, I'm, I want to be the, the carrots. And it's like, well, all these have it. They're, they're, they cook differently, different ingredients. They're all special and unique. And then what's funny is, you know, the, the bread's like, oh, I'm tired of being the bread. You know, bread's boring, you know, and somebody else comes along and like, man, the best part of that meal is that bread. I don't even know how they do it. It's like, it's bread, you know, go to a nice restaurant, you know, and they give you free bread <laughs> and you walk away two days later and that's, oh, we had the best meal. Their bread was amazing. It's like bread. But see, God has this beautiful this beautiful plan to, to give to each of us grace. And then it's according to, to his measure of Christ's gift. Again, here's the, the reminder. Look, this is a free gift. There's, there should be no complaining in this gift. Well, why would we complain? Well, we, we start to complain as, as we move forward in understanding then the application of well, how does this then work? And we'll see this in a couple minutes where then we start seeing individual gifts and we think, well, again, back to the bread. Why, why can't I be like that guy? Why don't I have that gift? I don't want this gift. We, we start comparing and complaining. Uh, turn with me to Matthew 20. Matthew 20 gives us a, a picture of, of what this looks like, this measurement how God gives a, a, a measurement and to each one. Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. 
And when he had agreed with the laborers for denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those, he said, you too go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. And again, he went out in the sixth and the, in the sixth and the ninth hour and did the same. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you too go into the vineyard. And when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them the wages beginning with the last group to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came to each, he gave uh, each one received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. And they also received each one a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden, the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. But I wish to give you to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with it? What is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? Now, we immediately can all identify in this story with, well, I wouldn't want to be that first crew working all day in the scorching heat. That's not fair, right? Um, you agreed to it. It was by your own accord. But here's the, 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 the reality. Look, the owner says, I'm the owner. This is my own. You've now allowed yourself to become jealous. Jealous. Um, why? Because I'm generous. They took what was a, a, a right wage and, and, a, and a, 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 a good deal. That was fair. What was generous was generous. The fairer people didn't like the generous. Well, for us, we're each given an element of, of grace according to God's measurement. Some of us need more. Some of us need more grace. Some of us need more mercy. Is that okay? Are, 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 are we okay with God's generosity in that area? I hope so. I hope so. Um, the, the verse continues, verse 8. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had descended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is his, himself, also he who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, this may seem like a, a, a couple verses that come out of nowhere. Again, it reminds me so much of how, how God's wisdom is so greater than ours. And what's happening here is there's a, a passage being taken out of the Old Testament. 
and a reminder because right about now you know this statement this bold statement about equal you know about grace being given to all equally but there's a different measurement so that seems unfair and so it says let me give you a, a parenthetical example although grace is a free gift it comes at a great cost let me remind you that I, that he ascend, who ascended on high, that Christ who lived in the heavens came down to the earth and died and went into hell to pay the price for your sin. And you don't think it's enough? It, it's like a, a, a quick little reminder here that my, 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 my generous grace that you think just comes out of nowhere, don't forget the, the price that was paid, that I paid. Um, and so he takes us, turns us back real sharply, real quickly to the cross. And that it was part of his plan, a party that didn't come out of nowhere, that actually this was all the way back in the Old Testament, that, that this is what was going to happen, that he was going to give this kind of gift to all mankind. So the application of our calling then begins with this understanding of this great plan, this amazing plan and sacrifice from our Lord and Savior Jesus. I love that phrase. Lord and Savior. We, we tend to really, really like our Savior, Jesus Christ, who saves us from our sin. We forget that he's our Lord. We forget, too, that our Savior, who's our King, saved us by sacrificing himself to give us this grace and this mercy. And so our unity in the body, this, this blessing which we, we have, is doled out differently but it's enough you have enough you've been covered you have been given the perfect amount of ingredients for your cake well the second application we see here is there's these gifts for individual christians verse 11 and he gave some some not all some as apostles and he gave some not everybody as prophets and he gave to some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Each of us are then given, each of us then are given this, this, this gift of a, of a spiritual gift. Now, again, it, it's one guy doesn't have all these gifts. Some are teachers, some are apostles, some are prophets, some are pastors. And so if we were all salt, the cookies wouldn't taste very good, right? We don't want to all be salt. We want some to be flour, some to be chocolate chips, 
some to be sugar, right? And then put that together. Well, that's how God's plan is. Some is, is a few. It's, it's part. It's, it's not all. And so it's the idea that, that God is going to individually give an allotment to us as the body, as the body of Christ. Turn with me to Romans. Romans 12. Romans 12. Again, as we're looking at the body of Christ, I urge you, therefore, verse 1, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Your body is a spiritual service of worship. So don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the selfish mind, the prideful, arrogant mind wants to be the man. Individual, I'm the only one. Right? So when you think of Microsoft, you think of one guy. You, you don't think about, you know, John XL or Billy Publisher. We, we don't even know who those guys are. They're just a, a program within the Microsoft system that one guy gets credit for everything. So we have to change and transform our minds to think what? In this, this living body kind of a way that you may prove what the will of God is and which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than you ought to, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, we do not have the same function. And that is good. So we are many. Our one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. So we see an expansion of these gifts, an expansion from Ephesians, now expanded to Romans. Oh, there's even more ways that we are equipped by God to be gifted, to share with the body. Each is to exercise them accordingly. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians Chapter 12. So we see the, the gifts yet again. Verse 12, or chapter 12, verse, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, 
but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all per persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit. Why? For the common good, for the body of Christ, for the unity within the body of Christ. Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit and to another faith by the same spirit and to another gifts of healing by the one spirit and to another the effecting of miracles and to another prophecy and to another the distinguishing of spirits and to another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. God is the potter. God is the, the chef. And He's given each individual's certain gifts. Now, why? For our own arrogance, for our own pleasure, for our own promotion? No. For the equipping of others. For the equipping of others. One of my favorite quotes is from Eric Liddell, who Caleb's middle name is Liddell. He's a famous runner. He, he skipped running his event that he was you know, going to win gold medal for in order to give it to the day of the Lord. He, he wasn't going to run on the Sabbath. But in one of his quotes, he, 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 he reminds his, his sister that God made me for a purpose to preach the gospel to China, which is exactly what he did after his running days. He died in a prison camp in China preaching the gospel. That was the purpose that God made him for. But he also says, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And when I heard that, I was like, you know, oh, to do something, you know, in, in reality, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, if it's running, whatever it's that you're doing, do it for the glory of God and feel his pleasure. God has made us and designed us and given us th this gift of grace and allotted to each of us spiritual gifts for the common good to be used, but, but not for ourselves, for the equipping of others, for, for the building up. In, in the Greek, the, uh, the word is actually the perfecting. We're, we're here to perfect one another. Surprise, we're not perfect. The person sitting next to you, not perfect. The person you're all looking up at, not perfect. We're, we're not perfect. So we come together to edify one another, to equip one another to get there. And so these, these different ways that we serve, then the whole body help us all to edify the body. You guys remember the Power Rangers? Now, don't pretend like you never saw the Power Rangers. I know most of you have. Power Rangers is like super corny show. Uh, when I was a kid, it's still going on. I think they still, and they still have different versions of Power Rangers. Now they have like Transformers, right? And 
Hollywood's taken it a whole other level. But these Transformers were these individual characters, you know, a uh, couple guys, couple girls, and they're teenagers. And, and individually, you know, they'd go and they'd fight, you know, the powers of evil. And then when they couldn't quite make it in their humanity, then they'd get in their, their robotical, mechanical, you know, dinosaurs or whatever, machines. And then they'd try to tackle on the enemy, you know, all five of them together trying to get them. And, you know, when that didn't work, then they join together as one big giant mega force, right? Well, it reminds me of us because we just try to go out there individually and get it done ourselves, right? It's like, that doesn't work. It, 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 it doesn't work. And so if we're smart, well, then we'll, we'll use other things to help us, other tools to help us. But if we're really, really smart, will unite together as one, as one powerful force to, to as the, the scripture says, to attain unity. The gifts are for unity, not individuality. They're not for, for division so that you can say, look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, to attain your own glory. No, they're supposed to be to unite us in the faith, to draw us near. And so that we, we build up then our, our unity and faith and, and, our, and our knowledge. Knowledge is important. Understanding the right thing is important. Well, one of the underpinning factors in the modern church today is it, it, everything's especially when you start getting into this, well, this is just a big giant self-help meeting, either self-help or, um, you know, where, where you're, you're going to become, you know, you know, affluent, rich, you know, things like that. Basically what's being said is you will get this. You will be happy. You, 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 you. The scripture is always we, 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 they, they, they. Him, him, him. That, that is a complete contradiction to, to what the scriptures scream throughout every page. We need to know this. Why? Well, and we're going to get to it in a second because there's tricksters out there. Yeah, individually, we all want what's best for us. That's just, that's our sin nature. Um, and so we're reminded that, look, God is gracious. He gave us all grace. He also gave us gifts. And to some, he, he gave these different things. But let me be crystal clear. It's all for the equipping of others, of the saints, your brothers and sisters in Christ. That, that's why it's there. For, in case you weren't sure, for work of service. We're to serve one another. Why? To the building up of the body. So we, we have a foundation. We're trying to add the blocks, the bricks, right? We're trying to build that up, build it up the right way. Not a building of, of sticks and straw. Building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Well, God has been very generous to us individually to help us collectively. Well, the third 
element here then is, well, here's the goal. Here's the goal for each individual Christian. Here's the goal. Verse 13. To become a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. We, we're, here's your goal. Your goal is to be mature. Well, when we really try to think of well, what does that mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is, man, they're so immature. Right? I think we understand immaturity a, a lot easier. We just think of a, you know, a 13-year-old kid in school. You know, they're just so immature and they just can't help it. That's why I love junior hires. They so want to be all big and grown up and cool and mature and they're so not and they can't help it. Now, high schoolers, yeah, they can fake it pretty good, you know. They're pretty good at faking that and being cool and whatnot. But a junior hire just can't. They're, they're too immature. They're, 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 they're just not... Their, their age isn't, isn't complete yet. They haven't grown up enough. Now, when we talk about maturity, we're talking about spiritual maturity. We're talking about, about character. And so, it, it's not, again, through individualism. It's found through, through Christ, the mature to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The fullness comes in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ. Well, how? Well, it comes from sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Verse 14, as a result, we're, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. You're not supposed to be just hear any new book, any new idea and just, okay, I'll follow. Oh, that sounds good. You're, no, you're supposed to be mature. You're not supposed to be just carried away. You're supposed to understand through the knowledge of the Son of God. You're supposed to understand through maturity what good doctrine is versus what garbage doctrine is. You're, you're supposed to know that. It's part of, of the maturity. 2 Timothy 2.15 says we're to be diligent. Diligent. It, it takes work. Everything takes work. It's why I love, I love listening to, to business podcasts and reading business books. Nobody gets lucky at this stuff. You, you see a successful business, somebody worked hard. Somebody had great ideas. Somebody failed many times and, and kept clawing and kept fighting and kept surviving and, and, and had help and had a team. And I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing to see somebody being diligent. Well, that's what we're called to be when we study the Word of God. Be diligent. Why? To show thyself approved as a workman. We're, we're talking about studying the Word of God as a workman. Not ashamed. Not ashamed in handling accurately the Word of God. We, we have to. Why do we have to? Well, it's because there's different doctrines out there. There's, there's literally men who are trying to to trick you. Let's be crystal clear about this. By craftiness and deceitful scheming, where do you think these people are? On CNN? 
No, they're in the church. This isn't talking about the world. This is talking about the church. This is talking about people who call themselves Christians. This is talking about false prophets. And, and it's taken another step, not just like, well, the guy's wrong. He's misguided. He's mistaken. He he's, hasn't studied. No, the, the, this is the idea of, look, there are people out there literally trying to trick you. Are you aware of that? Are you prepared for that? Have you diligently studied the word of God to, as a workman to, to handle accurately doctrine when it comes your way? So when you hear this new idea, this new book, you immediately recognize it. No, that, that's, that's not biblical. There's always going to be a, a, a new thing out there. There always will be. Satan's good at this. He's really good at marketing and packaging. He's really good at selling books. He, he's really good at, at making and helping charlatans make money through a false gospel. There's a lot of people out there literally trying to trick us. Colossians 2.8. Turn with me to Colossians 2.8. Colossians 2.8 reminds us in this way. See to it that no one takes you captive. That's the idea of you don't want to become a prisoner, right? Don't let anybody make you a prisoner. How? Through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Look, we're commanded. Don't let this happen. Don't, don't allow yourself to be deceived, to be taken captive by empty philosophy. I mean, philosophy, a good definition of philosophy is, is thinking of ideas without God. I mean, that's a great starting point for philosophy. A philosopher wants to remove God first and then try to figure out, how did we get here? Remove God first and figure out, well, what is morality? Remove God and the figure, well, this is how we should, you know, raise our children. By definition, a philosopher wants to remove God. And here we're, we're called that a goal for a mature Christian is, is not to be tricked that way, not to be you know, like a, like a little bob just bouncing around in the water, whichever way the water goes, the, you know, the little rubber ducky goes, right? No, you're, you're supposed to be like that tree firmly planted in the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves will not wither. You do not move. They can bring as much false teaching, as much crazy doctrine, trickery, schemes, deceit as they will, and you will be strong. We have been warned over and over and over again that this is the way it's going to be. We're never going to get into this epic of time where it's like, well, the false teachers and the schemers are going to vanish. They're only going to escalate more and more and more. So you've got to be a workman. You have to be a workman. And God has given us the... The, the, the tools for that. I was so discouraged a couple days ago. I was in Fairwood. I was in Fairwood and 
I saw, I turned the corner and Fairwood is a, you know, it's a track house community. You know, there's a golf course in the middle. It's really nice. And, and I turn, I see all these like rainbow colored stuff. It's just like so out of place. It's like, this is really weird. You know, I wonder what that is. I thought maybe there's a community center and everything was just like as much as you could possibly, you know, like spirit wear boat, you know, banner logo, whatever you want to call it you know, for, for the, you know, the LGBTQ stuff on a church. Now, there's a lot of problems with that, but one of the, the biggest problems is, so this is how you promote your church. This is like your A1 go-to calling card. Everybody, look at us. This is what we, re what we represent spiritually. Well, do you know why that's not right? I mean, there's biblical reasons for it. It's not just because I don't like the rainbow. Okay, there, there's, there's biblical reasons that, that, that God has designed for, for a husband and a wife to be married in a monogamous relationship forever. That God has designed husbands and wives, male and female, not... 50 other genders and that God has, has said that there are certain things that are not appropriate. Okay. Adultery is not appropriate. Fornication is not appropriate. Homosexuality is not appropriate. These are all of the same variants of, of sexual sin that are not appropriate. There's not one that's more inappropriate than another. It'd be like having banners of adultery banners. Why? Because, well, adulterers are forgiven. Well, we get that. That's not who you're about. And the complete acceptance as though, it, well, and the, and, the, and the embracement of the inclusion. Look, we, we, we repel against sin. We fight against sin. We help each other fight against sin. We may have been a certain way before, but we don't carry that banner with us of our sin. No. We, we, we repent and move forward. There's a goal for us as Christians to mature, to grow out of that. And that each believer then is to use the gifts that God has given us as, a, as our bodies are now a spiritual uh, act of service, right? We're tools for the, for the Lord to be used. Well, finally, again, as a, different way of this goal is, is to see growth, to see growth for each individual Christian. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. I love that phrase. L let me be honest with it. L let me as honestly and lovingly and gently and kindly as I possibly can tell you this. That, that's, that's what's being said here. We are to grow up Grow up. This isn't an angry, hey, grow up. Right? No, that's you being impatient. That's you being frustrated. That's you being unkind and jerky. No, it's in love. Listen, we, 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 we need to grow up in all aspects into him. See, Christ is the head. We, we don't need to grow up to be like, like Billy Graham. We don't need to grow up to be like, like your local pastor. No, that, that's not the mark. We need to grow up to be like Christ. Christ is our example. 
Grow up. Be, be like, like Jesus. Verse 16, from whom the whole body, so this whole body is fitted together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. So we're all each individual parts. The, the, the ligaments, so it brings everything together. Ironically, the blood, which brings everything together, is Jesus. He, the anchor of our soul. He brings all these individual parts with all these individual sin and then all the individual different spiritual gifts that now he blesses us with, not so that individually we go seek our own glory, but collectively we build each other up, we restore one another, and in our strength we serve. So we're held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We're, we're not to be children any longer. We're, we're not to be children. It's time to grow up. This is one of the great dangers of, you know, the, the ultra youth group um, ministries that we see throughout America and church today. They, they, they keep the kids as kids. And then when the kids grow up, you know what they want in church? They want youth group. There, there's no maturing. There, there, there's no growth. It's like, well, we're, we're, we're not doing coloring books anymore. We're not playing romper room anymore. We're, we're not, it's not about the bouncy house anymore. It, it, it's, it's about understanding God's word and uniting in faith and having the knowledge of the Son of God and, and, and maturing as a man so that we're no longer tossed as children, so that we're no longer carried away by every wind of doctrine. We know doctrine. We've studied doctrine. So we understand immediately when the counterfeit bill is handed to us. I can feel it. This ain't right. This isn't right. I can see it. This is this this is not a real. I can smell it. That that's we're, we're supposed to be able to identify. That's part of our growth. And then in our growth, we're fitted together. It, it's back to that that being the ingredients and the proper measurement and. And you know what? We all come together in the just the right amount. Just the right amount so that we grow together. But if there's just one that's just, I'm going my own way. Well, that makes it hard for all of us to grow together. I love, again, the phrase in love, in love. It starts with it, verse 15, speaking truth in love, and then it ends in verse 16. We're to, to grow by the, the building of the body up in love, in love, in love. It's, it's emphasis. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not seek mm -hmm. its own. Um, it bears all. Love, love bears the burden together. And so... The honest truth is, as, it, as this letter written to this church in Ephesus, look, I, we know you're young. We, we know that, that there's a lot going on, but, but, but you need to mature. You, you, you need to grow up. But we need to hear that too. We need to hear. 2 Peter 3.18 says we're to grow in, in grace. So it's not a, an attack. 
We grow because of grace. We grow in grace. First Peter 2, 2 through 3 says, look, we're, we're to crave spiritual milk, right? But, but not stay there. Hebrews 5, 12, move past the milk. Move past it. That was a good starting point. But now it's time to move past. And 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, they're, they're rebuked. Why? Because they're still on milk. They're still on milk. And so the idea here is like, well, babies drink milk, right? And then what? And then they move forward. They, they move to, you know, the little jars of baby food. And then they move to real food. You know, and then they move to human food. Well, it's all human food. They move to, you know, grown-up food, right? And before you know it, you know, they're eating the same thing you're eating. They're not supposed to stay on milk. You're not supposed to stay on milk, not literally or spiritually. You're supposed to move forward. Now, how fast? How fast? It's one of the beauties, again, of, of the gospel of grace. He doesn't say how fast. Each of us are given a different measure of grace because each of us require more or less, which also means each of us will, will progress to maturity faster or slower. That's okay. We, we, we don't have the, here, here's the chart, but it should be going up, right? It should be growing. It should be developing. How do we do that? We do that by pouring ourselves again into God's word and then using the gifts that we have for the equipping of the saints. It's funny how those two go hand in hand. So we don't just read and study, we also do. And in doing that, then you grow. Remember, the Bible, the Bible, studying the Bible, reading the Bible is not an option. This is not an option. It's a necessity. How do we grow and mature? The necessity, you can't. If you don't study God's word, you can't spiritually grow strong without God's word. Well, what, what about prayer and, and, and the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we, you need that too. Guess how I know? Because the Bible tells me I need to pray and I need the Holy Spirit and I need the word of God. I, I need all of that. That's how we'll grow. And so again, it's not for our own glory. It's for God's glory. And then all of us, then in one body, in one spirit, in one hope, in one calling, in one Lord, apply our individual grace, our individual gifts for the body of Christ. What, a, what an amazing picture. What a, what a great plan. Let's pray. Lord.